Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Batman Year One, the animated film based on the four-issue story arc of the same name printed in 1987. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. A landmark uh, four-issue mini for Batman comics written by the legendary... This is Frank Miller with art by David Mazzucchelli. Um, Art style, the animation on this has tried to ape as much as they can. Um, Still holds up to this day. There's there's a reason why people speak of Mazzucchelli with such, like, awe um, and... I, I got to imagine modern comic book artists. He didn't draw like comic book artists of the eighties, the eighties style didn't change that much from like the seventies. Uh, but Mazza Kelly had more subtle lines, but a visual style completely of his own. Um, but yeah, this is, I mean, it's Batman. This is the story. We never got this. I think original series of the original issue of Batman Detective Comics 27 back in 38, 39, 39. He was, he was already in Cape and Cow running around basically fully formed. He had the purple gloves for some reason, which never made sense to me. I mean, well, they were forensic gloves. He was a detective. We're just talking about an origin of the characters. He writes in 87, we've got this four-part series. And, you know, credit to the art style, it just almost seems timeless. You're right, it doesn't look like a comic that came out in the 80s. But from a, you know, a character like Batman, first introduced in 39, in 85, we've got Crisis on Infinite Earths. And that's when DC Comics hit the big reset button. And then a couple of years later... We got this. It took Batman in a much darker direction, and then it carried on. You know, eighty nine. We got the Tim Burton movie. The nineties, Batman was still dark. We got Batman the animated series, but this comic or this series of comics was so influential. And then, yeah, we we got this movie, and we should say we've been doing these reviews for a while now. This is the first DC animated movie that we've reviewed. And if we're going to go back to Superman Doomsday, and DC since then have been putting three, sometimes four out a year. Batman Year One was the 12th film. And just so you know where we're at now, the most recent one was Catwoman Hunted, which was a anime style animation that was a 47th film wow so they so have been significantly making, longer yes they have been making these films for such a long time but i felt it appropriate to review this one with the batman it's still playing in some cinemas it's available to rent at home soon to be released on dvd and blu-ray and the batman takes place in year two so i thought it'd be a good idea to go back revisit this film 
and have it be our first DC animated review. Yeah, and it makes sense as well because the big groundbreaking thing for this comic specifically was, as I mentioned, if, from Batman's first appearance, he was pretty much fully formed. Uh, we'd only ever seen him like a, full, uh, a fully realized, competent character. This is the first time they put uh, on the page. Yeah, you know, he like anyone else, he didn't start off perfect. He didn't just decide, I'm going to become like a, a dark agent for justice. <laughs> and just step from like college into a bat suit and immediately made an impact. You know, like anyone, it's it is practiced as lessons learned from failures, like uh not even having the idea of what his I don't want to say gimmick, although that it's exactly what it is, but he hadn't quite figured out the hows and whys he'd done his training he'd gone around the world and learned his skills including the detective stuff but he didn't have an idea of how to execute it yet to his fullest extent uh he didn't he was dressing in disguises and walking beats and he didn't really think about what's going on and it's only after failures that and death where he's willing to is and considering giving up, then he gets his spark of inspiration. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, that'll work. That will definitely work. Um, which and like 87, the character had already been around for nearly 50 years by that point. <laughs> 50 years to get to actual origin, not did just simple boy's parents murdered in front of him and he's wealthy and then decides to dedicate himself to fighting crime. So no one else suffers this like that. That's a very broad stroke. It doesn't give you any like definitive coloring of a personality or anything like that. Like, in fact, I don't know if it was in the first issue, but I do know it. they basically, I, I think I've seen the original page that explains how he got to there and it's like a montage of him in like with chemistry set like in learning forensics and um you know then him in a karate gi fighting like just one panel like that one after another across one or two pages which is their quick explanation of like these are the things he learned to know he could be batman and then next page batman there's no like Oh, how do I, why Batman? Why bat? Why dress up that way? Why not just wear a balaclava, black turtleneck, black pants, black gloves, and beat people up as a faceless vigilante? Like, um, and the cast on this animated film, my God, if you grab the same people and film this live action, like you could probably also pull it off. Yeah, absolutely. The talent I mean, involved. Before we get to the cast, I mean, you're right. This the four part series. It does so much heavy lifting and did a lot more than what we got previously. We were just introduced to Batman as a character back in was it Detective Comics twenty seven, yep. and that's just 
who he was. And then 87, it all changed. We got the definitive origin, which has been the origin since. The film received positive reviews upon release for its animation and faithfulness to the source material, although the story was criticised. The film was also a commercial success, bringing in 6.1 million on a budget of 3.5 million. And of course, these movies aren't theatrical. I think later on, or later on, they did give like limited theatrical releases, not all, but some of them. I remember going to the cinema to watch Batman the Killing Joke. The Sun yep. did get a limited release, but for the most part, we're talking DVD, Blu-ray, renting online. So when you hear 6.6 million, if we're thinking theatrical, that's terrible. But for home yeah. release, it is, it's doing okay. I mean, these movies have been successful enough. Going back to Superman Doomsday, they they are still making them today. Like I mentioned, Catwoman Hunted is the most recent, but soon to be released, we're getting Green Lantern, Beware My Power. We're getting Battle of the Super Sons, which will be the first DC Universe movie to be CGI. And then they're going to continue to release more and more. And I enjoy them. I still pick them up on Blu-ray when they are released. But the there's two directors, and I'm familiar with them because what I've found with these movies, often they have reoccurring directors. We have Sam Liu. He's best known for directing for both Marvel Entertainment and Warner Brothers, and also Lauren Montgomery. She directed the Wonder Woman animated film of the same name, Green Lantern First Flight, Superman Batman Apocalypse, Justice League Doom. She co-directed with Sam Liu on Justice League Crisis on Two Earths and, of course, Batman Year One. So She's got a lot of DC credits to her name. And the cast, you've said it already, whether it's animated or live action. Brian Cranston is James Gordon. That is incredible casting and yeah he's so good in this i mean have we had a bad brian cranston performance i don't think so like he always delivers he originally turned down the part because he thought this project was based on batman 66 he of course accepted after reading the script this is very much not the adam west batman (laughs) no no um, and he's the interesting thing about this story is it's actually the origin. It's called Batman Year One, but it's actually the Year One and origin of both Batman and who will eventually be Commissioner Gordon. This is him when he's Lieutenant Jim Gordon, first arriving in Gotham, having been uh, moved from we don't know where after busting a crooked cop in his prior precinct. Um, so, And the movie actually starts with two intro monologues. The initial one is uh, Ben McKenzie, who's doing Bruce Wayne Batman, uh, flying into Gotham, having on his way back from his studies abroad to be, get all the skills to make him Batman. And then once you get that intro, it goes down to 
Jim Gordon on a train on his way to Gotham from wherever else he's coming from. And he also gets an intro monologue. And you get a very, very different tones from both. Uh, Bruce is anger and determination. G- uh, Gordon is tired and weary and kind of uh, resentful because, and it works. Uh, you know, they, Gordon's not from Gotham, doesn't want to go to Gotham, knows the reputation of Gotham, but he's been kind of, he's put, a, a, this is the fallout from being a stand-up moral cop. Um, and he just wants to keep his head down and he's got a kid on the way. And then, yeah, you've got son coming back to Gotham to do the thing he's been thinking about since he was eight years old. Um and it works. The, the, it's a very strong detective noir uh, tone to the whole, the whole film. Yeah, and that's what we get from the Batman, Robert Pattinson film as well. So again, yep. I was watching that movie. I thought, oh, it'd be great to review year one because we're getting year two in that movie, year one in this film. So I've got to be honest, it did throw me a little bit in the beginning because I've seen this movie a couple of times before, but on the back of watching The Batman, which opens with a narration from Bruce Wayne. Yeah. So when I press play on Batman Year One, and it threw me a little bit because it also opens with a narration by Bruce Wayne, but this is Bruce Wayne voiced by Ben McKenzie, who also played James Gordon in live action on the Gotham TV series. So I remembered this movie opening with Bruce Wayne, but my first thought when I heard him talking, hang on, that's Gordon. Thought, yeah. Oh, no, no, it is actually, it is Bruce Wayne. So it momentarily threw me. Ben McKenzie is the only actor who has played both Gordon and Batman. Yeah. He's the only person to have done that. <laughs> Again, only momentarily, but it, it did throw me. But you're right, the two different perspectives of the narration worked really well and we're getting really good performances. I mean, I've read in the comics, was it New 52 no, or maybe after that, where at one time Gordon was Batman and he was wearing... Yeah, that was the New 52, yep. A big robot bunny-looking suit. Hated all yeah. of that. Because <laughs> Gordon doesn't need to be Batman. There's a strength to his character that he doesn't need anything else. Like when he's getting he's getting picked on by other people on the force. Like they're not accepting him. He's not from Gotham. He's from out of town. And you've got Flass. And he's giving him a hard time. And... He stands up to Flas one-on-one, takes him down, and he says in the narration, he knows that Flas isn't going to report this. There's going to be no consequence, but he had to stand firm and put him in his place. And there's a yeah, strength yeah. to Gordon. He's a straight guy. He's a good guy, but he's not going to let you take the piss. And I like how yeah. he stood up to Flas. And he's not 
a he's not a black and white character like he's cheating on his wife he's he's got all these other things going on but at his core he is a good cop and he's going to do the right thing always and of you know he is working alongside batman but we see the development of of the of the relationship but things yeah. that we're seeing in this movie elements from the comic we've also seen in batman begins like when Batman is calling upon the bats, he's found the right frequency to bring the bats to his location and he's going to escape the police with the bats as cover. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, there's so much good stuff going on. Um, in fact, you actually get a lot more Gordon in this than you do Batman. He's driving a lot more of the story which makes sense as well because they know how things are going and he's trying to keep his head down despite the fact that it's grating against his moral code because he knows how crooked the force is. But he's just like, I just need to suffer through this. i got a kid in the way. I can't create waves. I know where that goes. I've been there. And it's because of what Batman is starting to do by standing up to not just criminals in general but the um, major crime figures and the police because there's Falcone having dinner with the commissioner Loeb the head of the police department um and that kind of uh, emboldens Gordon to go further because this Batman has become a wild card shaking things up where they're not they don't have the complete control they did have and they're starting to slip up and you can find like just a little nook to get some, uh, like a, a foothold and some leverage, start to work some leverage in. And he's helped by the, uh, the arrival of detective Essen voiced by Katie Sackhoff. Like she's another straight shooting, like good cop. Um, so he has an ally he can rely on. And someone he can confess to, which is why they end up in a like a, an adulterous relationship, because you know he's carrying all this. He has been carrying all this weight, and then suddenly there's someone who's right there, an attractive woman, like makes sense. And it all feeds into the the grimy nature of Gotham as well. Like it's dragging even a, a good man like Jim Gordon down a little bit. Um, it's really well done. The voice acting is amazing. The the narration is so, so good because you get early, like when he first arrives in Gotham and he's picked up by Flask on the way to the, the police precinct, Flask stops and beats up some kids because uh, he's got a weapon. Turns out it's just a flick comb, but he gets enough. He's like, don't get involved. You don't know the lay of the land yet. Just watch and learn. He's like, he's got size. He knows how to use it. That's green beret training. He knows. So you're getting Jim, you can just seeing the intelligence of Jim Gordon right then and there, which you're not going to get from just him standing and looking stoic. <laughs> you, you do need yep. an inner monologue, which uh, works really well. And then, yeah, the, uh, the slip up and the the self the self recrimination you get from Bruce when he steps out and gets stabbed 
and shot and then has to escape the police <laughs> because he's messed up by like letting himself get too worked up when he's just supposed to be doing reconnaissance because uh, he sees Holly, uh, the teenage prostitute character who's a good friend of Catwoman on the streets approach him and it makes him snap. He's like, that's too far. Cannot stand by and watch this. Um, she's the one who stabs him. She's the one, he's beating the crap out of her pimp and she stabs him in the leg. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, um, it's all stuff. I mean, this is not a kid's movie. This is adult and, and Batman. Yes. Well, yeah, just, I mean, the comic was quite mature itself, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't, did they, did they, did they still have the, the comic code's authority on books in 87? They did. It hadn't been completely removed, but they had already begun being emboldened to the point of uh, just dropping that off the, the cop books when they were doing something more mature. Then yet come up with what we have now of mature age comics. Right, because they put it on there. Listed put, clearly. Yeah, they'll put teen, mature, whatever they need to put on there. Right, okay, because, yeah, the, the storyline in that original four-part series and what we're getting here is very mature, although at face value, it's a Batman cartoon. Yeah. But there's a lot of mature themes covered. You mentioned Catwoman. Elijah Dushka, Faith from Buffy. She's playing yeah. Selena Kyle in this. And I've got this movie on Blu-ray, and it comes with a a short movie as well, a DC showcase short. It's not in the same continuity, but Dushka also voices Catwoman in that as well. I'm not sure if you've seen that one. It opens with uh, yeah, her in yeah. a strip club. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do miss those. They brought them back for a short time. I think they've, they take some time off from them at the moment. Hopefully they bring them back again. But yeah, she's a good... Selena in this and she's looking out for not just herself but for Holly as well and then it's it's after seeing Batman isn't it that like she takes on the identity of Catwoman yeah um and it's and it's I can understand why they did the Catwoman short because when I remember when this was being produced uh and they said announced uh voice of Catwoman will be Eliza Dushku. It's like, oh, of course, it's a no-brainer. She's been Faith in Buffy. She's played uh, the lead character in Dollhouse, which was very, there's some a bunch of espionage type stuff and uh, lots of other, like, it's just, she'd already done the live action physical roles that fit the character. Um, but there isn't actually a lot of Catwoman in this. Because it's not Catwoman Year One, Batman Year yeah. One, and we already have a ton of Gordon. So why hire the actress and then not utilize her? Like, of it's course, a, like a, a short makes complete sense. Um, yeah. So that's that's like that's their way of getting all the Catwoman that they wish they could have squeezed in, but they didn't want to sacrifice or pad out the story and ruin the pacing. Yeah, you know, um, I mentioned Lauren Montgomery. She directed the Wonder Woman film, and that was Kerry Russell as Wonder Woman. And that film is really good. It yeah, very it's much fantastic. Is an origin. And at the end, when 
Cheetah turns up and she passes her purse to Steve Trevor so she can go and save the day. It's a great way to end the movie. And, you know, at the time, hoping it was going to go somewhere, we were going to get a follow-up. Unfortunately, that movie didn't do too well on home video. And because this is of amazing. That, yeah, but because of that, though, they cancelled the planned Catwoman movie. So what would have been maybe like the, you know, maybe the third, fourth, fifth, sixth DC animated movie ended up being Catwoman Hunted. And like I said before, number 47. That's yeah. how long it took them to give Catwoman her own film. But because Wonder Woman didn't fail, the thinking was animated female superhero films or comic book films don't sell. Yeah. Which is, you know, it took a long time for the live action to get over that as well. I mean, that's it. Obviously, we've got Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and changed everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's they have some other things. Alfred, of course, is in this, does get a lot of dialogue, but it's played by Jeff Bennett, who is the voice of Johnny Bravo. No. Yeah. <laughs> is that right. Oh, yeah. mama. I still yeah. love that show. <laughs> so, and like, so all of it, to all these appearances, all the stuff they've ever done with Johnny Bravo, it's always been Jeff Bennett. That is and incredible. I knew that like, I'd, I'd already written up my notes uh, <laughs> to prep before I started writing. So the second Alfred starts speaking, I'm like listening out as closely as possible for any hint of Johnny Bravo. But did you there. get any? No, it's not that. No. <laughs> yeah. No, no, he's he's too talented a voice actor to just uh, have one shtick, unfortunately. That's incredible. Well, well, I had, I had um, no idea. Oh, you know, talking about Gordon before and Bruce, how about that scene that is played so well where Gordon first he's suspecting, or he, at one time he's suspecting Harvey Dent yeah. as being Batman. And then he's like, well, Batman would need a lot of money. Yeah. Maybe. It's Bruce Wayne. So he goes to see Bruce. He's got his wife, Barbara, with him. And Bruce comes out, pretending to be drunk, is in his robe. He's opening his legs (laughs) what's on the couch. (laughs) And they leave appalled. But Gordon, to his credit, he's still like, but maybe that's what he just wants us to think. Yeah, if if if, if you're Batman and you're like dedicated enough to go to that extreme surely it's not that much of a stretch or any stretch to also put on a character to put us off the scent like he's that detective part of him doesn't go away he's like "Mm, if i was in his shoes would i go that far probably um and barbara gordon voiced by gray griffin um who has also played catwoman in the uh arkham games as well as she's the voice of Monster Girl in Invincible. And she's also Daphne in Scooby-Doo. She has been for a number of years. She also voices, although uncredited in this film, Vicky Vale. Ah, that makes sense. She's in it as well. Oh, you've got an accomplished voice actor and we just have two lines of dialogue for this character. Yeah, throw it her way. Why not? 
I've got to be, yeah, Greg Griffin. I, I, um, I follow her on social media. She's always good value and often dresses up as Daphne. So there you go. Nice. And does, and she, <laughs> she does a very good Daphne, and yet she's been voicing her for a number of years, like so many years, and she's still, she's still going strong in that role. Yeah. Um, you've got Commissioner Loeb, played by... John Polito does a great job. I love the over-the-top excess of the character of Commissioner Loeb in this. He's so ridiculously corrupt. He's the head of the police, but, I mean, he's always stuffing his face, literally. He's, like, so gluttonous and full of greed. He can't stop to stuff his, not to not stuff his face, even in the middle of the day, talking to his own officers and with obvious disdain towards Gordon because he knows Gordon is a clean cop he threatens their whole little operation um but Falcone but we so with Loeb's character and with him being commissioner yeah no matter what interpretation you you know of this story you're watching you know he's on borrowed time yeah, you we know, know Jim's gonna got to go to that be, way. Exactly. You know he's going to have to be removed. I remember thinking that when watching Batman Begins in 2005, when we had Commissioner Loeb there, you're like, mate, you've, you've not got you've got long at all. But I, I feel like if people have seen Batman Begins and haven't seen this, this film is a very good companion for that movie. Yeah. Because it's um, very because... similar, reoccurring characters. Yeah, they're just... This is a much more downbeaten Gotham. Like it, like they're trying to for Nolan. He's trying to produce that idea in a real world setting. Like, which probably credit to him. Like, surely corruption couldn't exist this overtly on this scale anywhere. So it feels like it's toned back. Like you couldn't get all the way to the commissioner and him still do his job. Like it'd be so obvious, but. Yeah, um, I think that's why one of the reasons I like this movie so well because even to this day, when you read Batman comics and any DC comic, whenever they bring up Gotham and TV shows as well, they're like, oh, Gotham, like it's just known to be that bad, like 80s Detroit bad in terms of like, you know, you're taking your life in your hands, walking those streets, like it's, you know, like, you know, you could also sub in like '80s New York, like Escape from New York era New York. <laughs> like it's known to be that bad. Where even when you've got someone like Batman operating, actually terrifying criminals to the point where they second guess, like uh, maybe I shouldn't do this crime. It's still not enough because crime is on such a scale that even those who decide not tonight there's still enough crime that it, it's it's almost insurmountable that they could turn it around and clean up s- such a city. I mean, that's the thing with Gotham. It's said to be the worst, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like any good adaption of something Batman, like this, there is a well-established character to the city where every everything... And that's it. I mean, yeah, I mean, Gotham is a character in itself. 
you look at the Tim Burton films, you see Gotham as a character. You look at a you look at the you know Christopher Nolan films like we've talked and reviewed Batman Begins before on the podcast. We love that film, but Gotham is Chicago. I think more yeah. so Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Returns. Gotham doesn't look to have any sort of personality. In in Begins, it does. Like it does look like yeah. like an original city. It looks like Gotham. But Dark Knight onwards, it just looks like Chicago. It's worth noting with this film, it is the shortest DC animated original movie running at only 64 minutes. That is one hour, four minutes. And I'm sure if you were to shave off the end credits, it's coming in about an hour. Yeah. It's, it's strange as well because it's so densely packed. I mean, it's not a drag at all. Like, the, such an enjoyable watch. It's not a drag. It's an hour. It's a brisk yeah. watch. <laughs> it is a brisk watch. But, I mean, episodes of TV go longer than that these days. But they, they so be much is laid out. Yeah. Like, so much is laid out that it feels fuller. But like, if you look... You squished all of that out in an hour? How is it possible? But if you look at most graphic novels are made up of Six issues. Yeah. And they could be adapted into a movie. But this is just four issues. So on one hand, I think for me, I would have liked it to have been longer just to spend more time in this world with this cast. But at the same time, does that mean that they then have to add things that don't need to be there? So I guess it, you know, the duration is the duration. That's how long they need to tell the story. But 64 minutes is very short. Yes, super short. I mean, I, that's, it might be the shortest thing we've ever reviewed on the podcast. I think you're right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I mean, I was looking at other DC animated movies that come close to this runtime, and I didn't find one shorter, but Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, 67 minutes. So that one's a little bit longer, but that's another short one. But you're right. This is, yeah, this is the shortest thing that we would have reviewed. Yeah. Wow. Before we get to the rating, though, I just want to say that we were talking like tonally and this is although animated a mature take on the character, there is one F word used in the film. And this seems to be a reoccurring thing that happens with these, with these DC animated movies. So again, here in Australia, it is M rated in the U S the equivalent is PG 13. It just seems like one character at some point in the movie dropping the F-bomb is enough to qualify. It's as if they purposely want that PG-13 rating. And having an F-bomb seems to get in there. I mean, tonally, there's mature things happening already. But I guess just having a swear word, it cements it when the movie actually gets rated and it doesn't just come across as a kids movie yeah well 
the Spider-Man Tom Holland trilogy have that same thing. Each one of those three movies gets one F-bomb. There you go. Works for Spider-Man, works for Batman. Yeah. So if you're going to rate this movie out of five. I'm going to come in strong. I'm giving this one a five out of five. Um, it's so well acted. It's so well animated. The everything about this, the music, the the story is so. This is how you do an introduction for a character. Um, being that Batman is a detective, the detective angle and the crime noir angle works especially well for him. Um, but it, it the, also the speed. I'm still shocked. This only was an hour given the amount of content we get for this, the runtime. I, this is flawless. This is probably about as flawless as you can get um, for an animated feature. Um, just if you're a Batman fan, if you're just a superhero fan, you should check this out. This, it's that good. It really is. What about yourself? Well, I did have a number in mind. If I'm honest, it wasn't too far from what you've just come in with, but you're you're not wrong with all the points that you've just made there. You, you mentioned the music. We've not really talked about that. It was composed by Christopher Drake. He's in a lot of the DC animated movies. I mentioned the runtime, and again, and I've said it already, would have liked to have spent more time with this cast, the world that we're introduced to in this movie. But of course, when reviewing something, pros and cons, what works, what doesn't work. And I mean, it's very tight, you know, like we've said, the runtime. I'm, not, I'm going to come in not quite as high as a five, a 4.5. But it's up yeah. there. It is a very tight Batman origin story. I'd watched it before seeing the Batman. I immediately wanted to watch it again. It is a very good Batman movie. And a lot of credit does need to go to the original comic because this is a faithful adaption from page to screen. It's a very good film. It, it really is. And, <laughs> you know, whether it's Batman Begins or Batman Year One, they do feel one and the same, really, that they, they're very, very close. And if you've seen one and not the other, then go watch the other. If you like one, you'll like the other one. Yeah, four, 4.5 out of five. But, yeah, I can completely... See your five out of five. This is a solid Batman film. Yeah. As I said, other than more runtime because of the quality, there's not really a complaint to be made. It's so I mean, yeah. I mean that that's I mean that's it, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I'd like yeah. to see more, but by giving more might take away from what is there already. Yeah. So that's film. what they say. Like leave them wanting more. Like they surely they definitely achieve that. <laughs> And if you watch this, you're like, do you know what? I really enjoyed Batman Year One. I want to know what Year Two looks like. The Batman has got you covered. 
yeah, Robert watch. Patterson, Matt Reeves. Exactly. Go watch the Batman. Well, that's it for our review all about Batman year one. If you would like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.